0: Every week, the Orange Fizz team breaks down the five most pressing questions about Syracuse athletics. Holy cow! What a big time defensive play!
1: No holds barred. I paid the fool. It's the Fizz
0: five. 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 Well, Syracuse football season is well underway and we are fresh off a very very exciting game yesterday Syracuse taking down Purdue we'll have a lot to say about that today on this fizz five Carter Bainbridge along with Cam is back for another week on fizz radio and boy we have got a lot to talk about this time Cam how are you doing on this fine weekend
1: I am fantastic. And that might be an understatement. I was at that Syracuse Purdue game, and I will gladly say that that was the best football game I have ever attended, pro or college. An unbelievable game. The twists and the turns in sitting in media row was really something because obviously, if you're in the stands, you're going to be biased. And I was fortunate enough to be working for a, a Syracuse station. So, I could be biased. I wasn't working for, uh, you know, w- w- where I, I couldn't be uh, subjective to either side. It was, uh, okay, you're working for a Syracuse station. You, you can at least show some excitement. So, working in Media Row was something because not a lot of people were, ex- ex- you know, excited because they couldn't be. Uh, but great game, great time. Uh, I know it's the end of the weekend, but a Syracuse
0: W, we'll take it. So Syracuse still undefeated on the season. We got a lot to talk about it with uh, regards to football today. So let's move swiftly right along to our first topic of the day. Number one. All right. Topic number one, Cam, is our most open-ended query of the day. I think that's pretty fair to say. And that is just to give you the floor. When I asked you to just give me your thoughts on yesterday's win over Purdue, anything that jumped out, anything bad floor is yours. Two
1: things. And and they spur on the side of good, or they veer on the side of good. Uh, Syracuse finally has a resilient team. When Purdue came back and scored 14 straight to make it 29, 25, uh, after it looked like Every inch of momentum shifted towards Syracuse on that pick six that Caleb Okachuku back, took back from 10 yards to the end zone to make it 25-15. When Purdue took the lead with 51 seconds left, it just seemed like it was over. And I know a pair of unsportsmanlike penalty calls helped Syracuse because they started at the 50 and they had all three timeouts. But the fact that Syracuse and central New York and just this university and community finally has a resilient team and I'd argue the first resilient team since 2018 I know there's a lot of arguments about, well let's lot over the fact of the first three or no start since 2018 I want to focus more on the intricacies. This team is really resilient, which you couldn't even have said last year with Garrett Schrader at the helm and Sean Tucker in the backfield. Just seems like everyone's really confident in their roles. No one is wondering if they're going to get replaced, which I think is great. Uh, I love the the coaching decisions. Uh, I love everyone put on the field. There, there hasn't been an instance where I'm just wondering why is that player on the field after giving up uh, – Uh, a long pass on the defensive side or after not really producing on offense, you got a resilient team in Syracuse. The second thing, wow. The dome was electric. Uh, It was shaking. Uh, That was, and I wasn't here. Back in 2018 when the team went 10 and three, but that was the best dome atmosphere I've ever seen for a football game. And if this excitement can continue, my first, second, third, fourth, and fifth thought all revolves around Syracuse not just making a bowl game, but winning eight or nine games.
0: Yeah, I, I would agree. Unfortunately, I was I was not there in the dome on Saturday. Kind of wished I could have been, but I was helping out with a, an outlet around campus. So I was at work as well but we certainly enjoyed being around that game and and being able to cover it sure was a treat. Um, I will go with some more micro-focused observations from this game because you took a little bit more of a wider lens about how the team bounced back from Purdue giving them a lot of difficulty at times and then the dome. For me, and I guess this will be kind of a wider point at first too, is that what this does for Syracuse is it gives it, far more roadmaps to a bowl than it had even just two weeks ago. So we've talked about Syracuse's schedule before, even on Fizz 5. I feel like a month or two ago, we were talking about what we thought the team was going to do over under win total. We were talking about what we thought was going to happen there. If you go back into our archives and listen. And I remember that I said that Syracuse was going, I thought they were going to go six and six but now that I think about it, there there were a couple of games in there that I might have been a little bit too ambitious about without the season starting. I was convincing myself that they could beat maybe one or maybe one of the games against Louisville or Purdue, not and. So for Syracuse to start out 3-0 and with a victory over a UL team that had just eaten their lunch for most of the past decade, and then a Purdue team that is your quintessential kind of Big Ten opponent. They have good talent they have a bruising defense they have a good quarterback they have experienced players they showed out but Syracuse won the game I mean Purdue certainly did a lot to kind of hand it over but the Orange still had to make the plays right you still have to throw the pass that Aronde catches at the corner of the end zone Arande Gadsden that is to win the game you know a lot can go wrong there um but as we talk about Garrett Schrader Arande Gadsden Something else about another player on Syracuse's offense comes to mind, and that's that Sean Tucker does not really have to be the star of the show anymore. So on Syracuse's best days, the offense will still go through Sean Tucker. There is no question about that. Two of his three games so far have been over 100 yards, just more of the same for him. But his day against Purdue was pretty anonymous, 18 carries for 42 yards. It's his lowest yardage output since the finale of last year against Pitt. And his lowest yardage output with at least 15 carries since NC State, his first year on the team. So it's been a while since Tucker's been that quiet. And even though Garrett Schrader didn't have over 200 yards passing, Syracuse still got enough from its offense because it looks like a team that has newfound confidence in a new system. I think that makes a ton of difference. So it's pretty inspiring to see what they can do even on a day when Sean Tucker is not at his best. I don't think the problem was him. I just think Purdue made the executive decision that of all the players on Syracuse's team, Sean Tucker was not going to be the one to beat them. And they did a fabulous job on him defensively. But it was just kind of a, a, a passing kind of day in the dome, the right atmosphere to do it. And we talked about his name. This is my third and final point for this question. We talked a little bit about him earlier in the, in the, in the answer. But Aronde Gadston is the best pass catcher that this team has. And it's not close. Like with all due, with all due respect to Courtney Jackson and Damian Alford, who could have been kind of a hero on that last drive. If he didn't, you know, slam his heel out of bounds. (laughs) um, Aronde Gadsden just has done far more through three games than any other receiver on this team. And the funny thing is the Gadsden is a tight end, which is would have been unthinkable last year with how little Syracuse used tight ends under Sterling Gilbert's offense, but we made some predictions, I think in the Louisville crystal ball, if you go back and read it about how Syracuse with its new offense could use its tight ends more Gadsden and Max Mang is the other one who's more of a blocker. But it's made all the difference in the world that Syracuse actually has a tight end that they can use in the seams and who can beat man coverage like Gadsden did on that final touchdown and who is a tall athletic target. I, I think that he has made a huge difference in this offense and he is a fun player that offensive coordinator, Robert and I now gets to, to play around with. So now with all that in mind, Cam, we move on to topic. Number two, sticking with Syracuse football, of course, number two. All right. So topic number two, we've talked about our base thoughts for the Syracuse Purdue game that happened just yesterday. I don't want to date this recording, but in any event, it was a recent event. So, As we talk about the Syracuse season so far, it's only three games old, three wins for the orange to no losses. So, Cam, I'm wondering if you had to give Syracuse football a grade so far as we're nearing the bye week with a couple more to go, what would that grade be and why? Hey, I don't think it's up for question.
1: I mean, maybe you have a different answer that dives into the minuscule aspects of how Syracuse plays, Rather than the more broad outlook of well, this team is three and zero, and a season ago they crushed Ohio. The season opener this year against Louisville, so a taller task, and then you play Rutgers. And, and if you're asking me, I would say that Purdue in the dome is a tougher task than Rutgers was a season to go. So to think that a team last year that was so inept to start the season where you thought as eh, teams going nowhere after a one win season, the year prior, now you come into this season with even fewer expectations, knowing that stop expecting with the Syracuse team, it's going to take you nowhere. And all of a sudden Syracuse starts the year three and O and there's people contemplating a five and O start and a chance to beat Notre Dame later in the year. Cause the fighting Irish are struggling oh, and, and yeah. certain- certain points of, of their game. At NC State, they'll be highly ranked, but they're going to be in the Dome. So all of a sudden, the Dome is a revered place to play. Remember, remember I mean, 2018, but the past couple of years, you come to the Dome, like, yeah, we're playing Syracuse. It's not, we're playing Syracuse and who has been the proverbial 12th man, which is the crowd. So now you have to worry about the crowd. You have to worry about Syracuse's prowess on both sides of the ball for, I think, the first time since 2018 or even before then. The talent's at an all-time high. So I have to give them an A because if you did have expectations coming into the season, they've already exceeded them. Halfway to six wins, and this is exactly where Syracuse needs to be. And Carter, I know we were talking about it uh, off air, and we both said they're going to split Virginia and Purdue. And and obviously Virginia hasn't happened yet, and I don't want to speak for what could happen in the future. But the fact that they beat Purdue when toward the end of the game probably shouldn't have beaten the Boilermakers with how they were giving it up on the defensive side, able to come back in that one, the resilient for the first time in four years, I think you have to give them an A. And from an individualistic standpoint, The defense looks great. Okay, down the stretch against Purdue, they didn't, but it was really just a few big plays that thwarted their ability to win by a higher score. And in the first two games, the offense was incredible. In the third game, offense struggled in the first half. That happens. You're playing a Big Ten opponent, a hard-nosed, defensive-minded Big Ten opponent that is a really good, potent quarterback in his sixth season. What? he, He connected with Charlie Jones 11 times. Okay. Charlie Jones was probably going was probably gonna collect uh, six to seven receptions anyway. That was inevitable. So this Syracuse team is staring expectations right in the face, right down the line as well, because half of Syracuse fans had them. Half of Syracuse fans didn't. And all of a sudden, now every Syracuse fan has all these expectations. So Syracuse football has been able to sway those that didn't believe in this team because of the most recent outcomes for the past three years, and they've turned them into believers. That has to be an A grade. I get it. Sean Tucker's been okay for his standards. Garrett Schrader at times has struggled. Garrett Williams, Jahad Carter, Deuce Chestnut have been great, and in certain moments have not. I'm not looking into the mini school aspects. Feel free to do so. I'm taking a broad picture and saying this team hasn't been good, and I think realistically good, in the last six, seven years, many could say 2018 was a fluke. So now all of a sudden, I think this team is realistically good and they're putting expectations in the rear view mirror and they're putting whatever anyone thought behind them and saying, we're going to play our game. That's an A Syracuse team.
0: I had to think about this one more than you would expect. Don't give them a B. Because, I, a B. I, no, sir, I was not going to give them a B. I was originally planning to give them an A-, minus, but game-time decision, I did change my mind, and I do also think that it is an A-grade so far. For Syracuse. I'll give you my I'll give you my rationale for why I was going to say it was an A-, and that is that Syracuse does have three wins in its belt, two of them against teams that a lot of people probably did not think they would beat. I think a lot of Syracuse fans expected right now to be one and two with the win over UConn. But if we're taking a look at the wins, you know, Syracuse did beat up on maybe the worst Division One football program in the country in UConn. Without a
1: quarterback. Without a quarterback as well.
0: Without its starting quarterback, without its starting wide receiver, just brutality down in East Hartford. And then Syracuse also could have very easily lost the Purdue game. I know they didn't do it, and I know that's kind of a funny thing to say. But if you look at our "Buy the Numbers article that we put up on Fizz today, Purdue did so much to give Syracuse that game. I mean, Purdue wanted to lose so badly, and they actually ended up coming through with it, and they did lose despite the best efforts, I'm sure, of Jeff Brom. I'm sure that was a pretty quiet plane ride back home. But Syracuse, you know, on that final drive was just a perfect encapsulation of the day. You get half your yardage via terrible penalties by Purdue and then just basically a lottery shot to a Ronde Gadston. So even though there's a lot to like about this team, that was what my grade was going to be. However, I do agree that it isn't a grade because it is a better start than a lot of people thought, most people thought for Syracuse. Even Brent X, who I talked to before the season about the schedule, he thought, you know, three and two was probably a realistic possibility. You know, four and one, five and oh if you dare to dream, but at the same time, Syracuse was gonna get have to have to get by a longtime bully in Louisville and a very tough Purdue team that won nine games in a bowl a year ago and returned a lot of talent. So that in the end of things, kind of a long-winded answer. I'd give them an A grade, maybe being a prisoner of the moment a little bit because the Purdue game is so so fresh in our minds. But like you said, for a program that has struggled for something like this for so long, at the very least, Syracuse should feel great about what it's gotten off two through three games and, and should uh, enjoy the moment and, and kick its feet up on, on a beach somewhere for this start.
1: And if you want to look deeper into that Syracuse-Purdue game, as we just broke down, not just Syracuse-Purdue, but the grade for this team, check out Ethan Frank's article on fizz.com it, it really... He breaks down all the intricacies of what what went into that game and then Dino Baber's reaction post game I think that that article will at least sway you from an a minus to an a if you were with Carter's uh first line of thinking
0: yeah absolutely there's a lot of good stuff and and the article that Ethan put up is definitely worth a read but we're going to take a short break from football here we're on to something a little different for topic number three number three All right, our third order of business for this Fizz Five does not have to do with football, even though it is the item of the day. Instead, it's Syracuse men's basketball. Remember them? They haven't played a game since March when they bombed out of the ACC tournament. But now we're talking a little bit more about their recruiting efforts or lack thereof that we've seen this summer. Syracuse still with a big fat zero in the commit column for the class of 23. Not for lack of trying, but Syracuse has had a couple guys over the past couple weeks commit to other places, namely Reed Ducharme, J.P. Estrella, and Elijah Gertrude, three players that the Orange had their eyes on, now going to different places. So, Cam, we've talked about Syracuse men's basketball recruiting before on Fizz 5, but now in our latest topic, I'm wondering your thoughts on where Syracuse goes from here now that it has certifiably whiffed on its attainable targets.
1: Yeah, before I do so, check out that article from from Ian Unsworth on Elijah Gertrude. I put one out about Mike Williams, who Gertrude has already committed to Virginia. But Mike Williams is a guy in the class of 2023. And don't get him confused with Chargers wide receiver Mike Williams. This is a basketball player and he's another four star that Syracuse has has its eyes on, even though he's jumped up in the rankings and a a lot like Syracuse's uh, targets as of late they've jumped up in the rankings and all of a sudden they put Syracuse in the rearview mirror. I look at the, the big old goose egg in the class of 2023 and as much as I want to keep harping on the fact that this Syracuse team just cannot recruit top level recruits for five-star high five-star type guys, because the success just really hasn't been there in the regular season. And Jim Beheim has shown time and time again, that, He's going to play as six or seven guys, and that's pretty much it. So why would you want to come if there was two, one or two guys in front of you, uh, positionally, that is? I'm going to sway away from that, Carter. And I'm going to say something that I have not said yet on Fiz 5 or about recruiting. I don't think it matters. I don't think it matters that Syracuse is struggling in recruiting in the class of 2023. I don't think it matters That Syracuse looks forward and they're just wondering who's going to want to come here. I really don't think it matters because they did so well in the class of 2022. Six recruits, and I think four or five of them could be elite level players. They won't be the uh, top 50 or top 25 ESPN players moving forward, they won't be the newcomers of the year. But they're pretty good players and Syracuse put all its eggs in one basket and with how the college game has shifted and the transfer portal is so vast anyone can join anyone can jump programs I, I think Syracuse took the best approach they recruited heavy for one class if people want to leave you leave and then you bring others in Syracuse is built off of it- its ability to recruit those that are older more experienced. More mature. And I really do think that by loading up in the class of 2022, they've opened themselves up to the possibility that older guys will want to come to the program once they realize that these younger guys aren't going anywhere. They might, uh, these younger guys like Judah Mintz and Justin Taylor, they might switch schools, but they're not going to the NBA. These are three, four year program guys. So older guys look at that and say, hey, so you're telling me I'm going to have younger and more experienced talent. On my roster, I want to jump in the transfer portal and play there. I think Syracuse has created its, its level. And what I mean by that is it's starting at the class of 2022 and moving forward, they're finally fitting the mold of college basketball. We'll have six new guys, the guys that we have on our roster like Samir Torrance, Jesse Edwards, Joe Gerard. They'll take us somewhere. Someone wants to leave go right ahead, we'll hit the transfer portal, rather than guessing on guys that just aren't established. How do we know Zion Cruz, Elijah Gertrude, Reed Ducharme, how do we know that those guys are going to be the cream of the crop for three to four years? They might be gone after a year. I think this is a technique that Syracuse is using unintentionally, I'm not going to say they're not trying, but unintentionally, that'll work out for them in the long run.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's it's not your optimal visual for Syracuse to come up with. I mean, zero recruits is, is probably what's going to happen in this class, considering just how late it is in the cycle. Those three guys we talked about, Ducharme, Estrella, Gertrude, all had kind of dates where they were going to pick where they were going to go. We kept an eye on that, but we were not seriously monitoring and making a big event out of it with every single guy. Syracuse, I think, would like to have Talented recruits come in, of course, like any program would. It's just common sense. But the thing about the last class, the one of 22, it had good players. And it also had a lot of them come in. I think it's a very realistic possibility that guys in the class of 23 look at that and they see the writing on the wall and they think, boy, if Jim Boeheim doesn't play freshman very often, how long would I have to wait behind those guys? Not only as freshmen, but as they develop anyway, I mean, there might be guys that they stick around and Cam, if, if your assessment proves to be prophetic, who are hanging around on this team until you know junior year. I mean, who knows how long it's going to take before not to pick on him because I think he's going to play. But I mean, what if it takes a couple of years for Peter Carey to see the court, right? There's no guarantee they're going to get anything right away. There's no guarantee that anybody in the class of 23 would get anything right away. And I think it's even less likely when you take a look at what Syracuse got in the class of 22. So at the end of the day, Syracuse's coaches and staff surely know that it's not required of them to have a big class every single year. Lord knows they haven't done it all the time with Benny Williams being the only guy in his class. You know, basketball teams are not that big. It's just a matter of depth, and Syracuse has that right now. If they want to have someone in this class come in, it's going to be via the transfer portal, you know, if it's not even too late for that. So Syracuse staring down the barrel of a lighter class of 23, not the end of the world, basically, is is your assessment, Cam. And I think I would be in general agreement with you there. So we now turn the page off of men's basketball. That's coming up in a few months. We're going back to football for topic number four. Number four. All right, topic number four, our second-to-last item on the menu today. It's once again going back to Syracuse football, of course the hot ticket around town right now, and that is to talk about the expectations for this team and how they have changed since even just a couple weeks ago, beginning of August. So during the summer, we watched outlets put out articles that had Syracuse bottom of the Atlantic, you know, towards the bottom of the ACC down with the Georgia techs and the Dukes of the world. I think the over under for Syracuse's win total on the year was four and a half. If I remember correctly for when we talked about whether or not we take that bet. And at the time, I think there were guys on our uh, orange staff who would have taken the over. And I think there were a couple who probably would have taken the under on four and a half. So mixed expectations there, depending on your, your uh, outlook of the program. But after a 3-0 and start and Syracuse having beaten two teams that a lot of people didn't think they would, what, Cam, does a successful season for Syracuse look like now?
1: Good question. Um, I mean, one thing I love about the Fizz uh, beyond everything is our crystal ball predictions. Uh, whenever we put them out, I think it's important to note, I mean, we delve into... Why, who we think is going to win and why that's the case, which I always feel is really important because I like to get your guys' insights. I like to look over all of the crystal ball predictions and say, okay, maybe I missed this. Maybe uh, Syracuse won't win or Syracuse will win because of this point that I might have missed. And the reason I bring that up is we've been highly successful on these crystal ball predictions because early in the season, the expectations surrounding this team well, you're going to have a pretty good start. It won't be a great start, but it'll be a pretty good start. Now, all of a sudden, it's been a great start. 3-0, and like you mentioned. Well, I I bring that in. I tie that all together to say, I love to bring into account expectations and anything that surrounded this team at the beginning of the season. And earlier in Fizz 5, I said, some had expectations and some kind of threw them out the window because they knew they'd be disappointed. I had... A, a an okay amount of expectations surrounding this team so going into the season my expectation of success was you make a bowl game a- and I think that's where you start and that's where you end you haven't had a winning season since 2018 so why push the boundaries and say well a successful season is Sean uh, Tucker wins the Heisman Garrett Schrader is all ACC and this team wins seven or eight games like that's not what anyone expected now that they're three and zero, which I will say I've predicted that they were three and zero, and we'll see where I, I go with Virginia and Wagner moving forward. I'm going to stick with that same point of view. A successful season is making a bowl game. Not saying that if, the, if this team goes, you know, six and six and they lose their last five games of the year, that everyone in Syracuse should be a happy camper because the Cuse will be down in in uh, the boondocks of North Dakota playing in some oddly sponsored bowl game and not saying that every Syracuse fan should be elated by that with this hot start, but you have to realize college football is less about how many wins you're able to pile up and more about what opportunities are you giving to your ball club? Does it mean that you get game day? Do you get more recognition because you're winning a lot? Do you get more recognition because a certain individual is playing well? The the difference between winning six and eight games is a better sponsored, more well-known locationed bowl game. That's exactly what it is. Unless you're with the cream of the crop, winning 11, 12 games, going undefeated and fighting for a New Year's six or a college football playoff spot. I mean, winning six games, winning eight games, it really doesn't matter as much unless you really like to look back and say this team won nine games rather than six and you go back into the record books i'm just gonna say a successful season for syracuse started with making a bowl game just making it and at this point in the season still just making it you still have to win three more games and not saying syracuse won't but if you make a bowl game it's a successful season it doesn't matter if you win six games seven eight of course at this point in the season everyone's expecting eight or nine But again, I had an okay amount of expectations coming into this season, and I don't want to heighten them. I don't want to say eight or nine wins, all of a sudden Syracuse wins seven, makes a bowl game, but I'm disappointed. Everyone should be over the moon if Syracuse makes a bowl game. Doesn't matter about the amount of wins in their back pocket.
0: Yeah, you make a good point about the quality of bowl because at the end of the day, I don't really think people remember that Syracuse's last one was in the Camping World Bowl. I think what they do remember is that they clubbed an old Big East foe in West Virginia and did it convincingly and put a ring on Dino Babers' finger. Um, I would slightly disagree with this. It might sound a little bit foolish on my part. I don't think the wins really have to do de- like the wins do not matter that much for Syracuse. I would agree with that part, but I think a successful season for Syracuse now in year seven under Dino Babers is not just a bowl appearance. It's a bowl victory. I think with three wins out of the gate with two teams that are good. All right. I- I'll put my chips on the table and say that Louisville is going to finish this season better than it started. I think Purdue is a better team than one that's one and two. You know, the Boilermakers should be 3-0, and realistically. Should have beaten Penn State. Probably should have won the game against Syracuse if they had just kept the field clean from penalties. But at the end of the day, they didn't do it. So for Syracuse now, you're equipped with confidence. You're getting the attention of AP poll voters. As Syracuse got seven votes in the also receiving vote section of the AP poll. Of course, the coaches poll was giving them a little bit of love after weeks one and two. But now the AP poll is picking up. Those seven votes were more than LSU had. They were more than Wisconsin had. Those are two programs that, I mean, might not be thrilling so far in this college football season, but with the stature of their programs, they might get a little bit more benefit of the doubt, even if they don't have that good a team. The Syracuse Carter, is getting a little bit of attention.
1: Wisconsin was ranked before they lost to, I think it was Washington State. Yeah, so, That's correct. Mean, Syrac- Syracuse wasn't even ranked. So,
0: That's yeah, right. Yeah. So for Syracuse now, you're off to a good enough start. All you have to do is win six games, and I think that's attainable. Virginia has looked dreadful so far this season. Wagner College, I mean, I mean, yeah, good joke, <laughs> they didn't right? A game they didn't win a game last year. Wagner College has not won a game in several years. <laughs> and then, even if everything goes wrong after your five and zero, you have Boston College in the season finale, and they have looked horrible so far this season. So. Even if you scrape into a bowl after starting five and0 at oh, six and six, just win it. And everyone will forget everything you did in the, in October and early November. even if you get bludgeoned by NC State and Clemson and maybe not Notre Dame, but then also Pitt, that's a success. So for Syracuse, it's win a bowl. Even creep into the top 25 while you're at it. you know, be ranked 25th if that, if that matters, you know, you can at least say that you did it. Ranked for the first time since week two of 2019. We remember that when yeah. Syracuse went and got and, and got stunned by a pretty bad Maryland, Maryland. team. To, 63, to call,
1: to, 63 to 20. How's 63
0: bad? points allowed to the Terrapins. So I think that year won three or four games. But that's neither here nor there. What is there, though, is the fact that that game realistically cost Syracuse college game day. And that point carries us very neatly on to topic number five. Number five. All right. Our final order of business today on this Fizz 5, Cam is kind of a big one. It's been floated around a couple different conversations I've had with guys who are in and around uh, the program covering it, that is, on the media side. And I think there is a realistic possibility of this happening. What I'm talking about is that if Syracuse can start 5-0, and 0, the hard part looks to be done, with a Virginia team limping into Friday and then a Wagner College after that, before the bye week. If NC State keeps winning, right now the Wolfpack are also 3-0 in the ACC. Syracuse and NC State have a date set for October 15th. So it's Wagner College, then a bye, and then it's NC State. The Wolfpack come to Syracuse. They will play in the JMA Wireless Dome. But my question is this. If Syracuse is 5-0 and NC State is either 5-0 or 4-1 with a close loss to Clemson, those two teams do have to play before Syracuse gets them, how realistic is it for College Game Day to finally make its first ever trip to Syracuse on October 15th?
1: Almost as realistic as Syracuse once again changing their name and the sponsor actually doesn't provide anything to the dome. So no chance at all. JMA Wireless, the Wi-Fi still stinks in the dome. Uh, the carrier dome, the AC was just in, It was just installed once carrier got got uh, up and out of here. I don't think it's possible. As much as I want to say this is Syracuse's best shot at College Game Day, even though I believe it was if they beat Maryland and they had Clemson at home. Why I don't think it's going to happen has everything to do with the rest of the college football landscape and actually nothing to do with the NC state Syracuse game itself. Do I still think that's going to be a prime time well-recognized game that might have some big time ESPN commentators on it? Do I think it'll be on ESPN? Yes. I think it'll be a well-recognized game and, and deserving at that, but you take a look at the rest of the college football landscape and uh, this would be during week seven. Remember, if Syracuse is five and zero, oh, week six is their bye week, so it would be week seven. If NC State beats Clemson and and goes undefeated until the game on October fifteenth, NC State would legitimately be a top ten team, and many could argue top seven. If Syracuse beats Virginia, and you mentioned it, limping Virginia and an awful Wagner team, and then have a bye week, which could hurt or help them because you don't know what's going to happen in week six. Right. If Syracuse goes five and oh, and then every top dog loses in week six, all of a sudden you're looking at week seven and saying, who are the two hottest teams, Syracuse and NC State. So, again, I, I don't want to completely predict the future here. And I'm not saying these teams in these matchups I'm going to throw out will have uh, it, uh, will mean anything because these teams could lose two, three games in the next couple of weeks. But USC is playing at Utah. That right now is a top 15 matchup. Of course, that could change because the Pac-12 is either really good or abysmally bad. Uh, Kansas, who's currently undefeated, they're in Oklahoma. And Oklahoma is a top 10 team. And not to mention Alabama who right now is the number two, two team in the country. They're playing at Tennessee, who's ranked number 11 at the moment. And that'll be a wacky atmosphere uh, in Tennessee. So as much as I want to say, okay, Syracuse, top 25 team, NC State, top 10, maybe top seven, carrier dome, pardon me, JMA Wireless Dome was a car- was the carrier dome, Syracuse, New York, a rocking dome. It possibly could have game day, and this could be the first game day in Syracuse football history. Just don't think it's going to happen because I have a feeling that Alabama, Tennessee will garner enough attention and Tennessee will stay within the top 15 and because it's Alabama and because they most likely will stay at number two, I'm forecasting that being game day. But again, you don't know over the next three weeks if Syracuse and NC state are, are five and O respectively going into October 15th. You never, never know. I would say, keep an eye out for these teams. And I know this is going to c- complete my thought, keep an eye out for Alabama, Tennessee, USC, Utah as well as Kansas and Oklahoma and I think many might be lobbying for the big house with Penn State in Michigan but you have to realize that Michigan Michigan State when they play they'll most likely get game day so you can't have two game days so those six teams keep an eye out for them if all else goes wrong with those six teams hey game day could be coming to Syracuse
0: you know I just have a feeling and I will put my cards on the table not that they mean anything because I'm not part of college game day I'm not a producer and I have no sway but I think it is possible I think there is a possibility and I don't want to tug percentage. the leash
1: what's the percentage hmm? what's your percentage you want to give right.
0: me a? Per- I can't give you a percentage on that I can't it's impossible. I, I, need know, I need to know your confidence level. It can't like, be My confidence level is Syracuse, Syracuse it's getting game day on that week. Okay, it's conditional. How about this? Deal. Syracuse, top 25, 5-0. and NC State, top 10, 5-0. I say Syracuse on that day, game day comes there, even with all the other matchups, I'll give you 80%. Wow. 80% well, odds. Now,
1: now I can sit back, and the rest of the audience can do this as well. Now I can sit back. And I can't wait you to, can't wait for you to try to prove this to me. So go, go ahead. Floor is yours.
0: I, can't, I don't have to try to prove it. I mean, you're the sports analytic minor after all. I'm not a math guy. I can't talk to you about percentages because there's a lot of variables here, right? I said, if Syracuse is in the top 25, the Orange could go 5-0 and and still miss out. They could be the top team receiving votes. NC State could get just absolutely drilled by Clemson and cost themselves ranking, cost themselves respect. But here's the thing. Syracuse gave itself a platform with the Purdue game that I think a lot of people took notice of. And it's a familiar feeling to me as a Nashville native to see a sporting event take place that can kind of change the perception of what the fan base is about, what the stadium is about. For example, the Nashville Predators went to the Stanley cup a couple years ago, and people were so impressed by the way that the crowd showed out that Nashville got a new MLS stadium. And they've also hosted the NFL draft. It's now regarded as a much better sports town than it was based on the performance that the fans put up in the Stanley cup. I know this is a very roundabout point to make, but it's just the example that comes to mind. Syracuse got past a big 10 team on television in impressive fashion And the dome was that loud when it was three quarters full. I think there are definitely some people out there, some people involved with college game day who probably took notice of that. I mean, surely the AP voters did, and they gave Syracuse a little bit of respect in the poll. But I think if Syracuse and NC state are ranked that college game day has shown that it is inclined enough to try something new. I mean, for goodness sake, the place they went last boone north carolina to go see one and one appalachian state take on one and one troy like are you serious right i thought i had fallen out of bed and hit my head and gotten concussed i did not think that was real but that's what happened i mean it paid off with a magnificent finish a hail mary but you can't bank on how the game's gonna finish when you do game day i mean with all due respect to appalachian state sunbelt is the fun belt 61 points against nc or unc and an upset over Texas A&M, but good grief. Against Troy? Give me a break. Syracuse has better things to offer than that, especially against an NC State team that's gotten a lot of hype this season for being a possible challenger for ACC champion. So I don't want to sound like some message board sicko here and as someone who, who sits at home and just like argues online and theorizes all day, but come on. I think Syracuse has a realistic chance of getting game day, you know, if if the college game day crew with Corso, if they want to go to places they haven't been before and, and give the sec a break and give its viewers a break from the sec. You're right. There's a lot of other compelling places they could go for that week. And in all likelihood, the teams that are in those locations are going to set themselves up for game day. I don't think any of those teams is about to drop some crazy upset loss like Alabama, Tennessee, Michigan, or whoever, but Syracuse, if they do some things and if NC state helps them, I think has as good a chance to get game day as any. And I think that they can definitely do it. Wow. So that's, 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 that's how I'm going to finish up on Fizz five. Some, some pretty interesting stuff today, Cam, a lot of football, of course, we're we're knee deep in that now, especially because Syracuse is putting up a pretty good showing so far, but, Make sure to stay tuned to TheOrangeFizz.com for all of our writing. We'll have another edition of Fizz 5 up on the site and on SoundCloud next week with a couple other of our writers. But until then, this has been Carter Bainbridge along with Cam Isere. We'll see you soon back on Fizz 5. Thanks for listening.
1: And that's your Fizz
0: 5. Listen next week. Subscribe, rate, and review. This has been an Orange Fizz production.